I don't know about you, but uh, there have been several times in my life, and maybe you would agree, where I've, I've wanted to quit something. You get started with something, and maybe it's not quite what you expected it was going to be, and you think, what have I gotten myself into? I, I'm done with this, you know. Or, or maybe, maybe it's a workout program. I know none of us have ever quit a workout program, of course. You know, we've never made our New Year's resolution for the last 40 years, you know, and same one every year. I'm going to get myself in shape. I'm going to lose that weight that I've been trying to lose. And you go, you know, for three days to the gym, and you're thinking, you know, just being sore, is that? No, I no, I'm not doing that. And there's got to be another way. You know, there's got to be some miracle pill you can take, you know, and maybe you're on your quest. I'm not sure. but Or maybe the pursuit of a degree. We've got several college students here with us, uh, several folks who have gone down that road before, and you get to the point, I think, somewhere probably around the fall semester of your junior year, you just think, what am I doing? D at that point is for diploma. You know, just give me a D and I will get my diploma and be out of here, you know? Well, it gets hard at that point. Or maybe you've tried to learn a new skill. I don't know, maybe it's playing an instrument or, or woodworking or whatever it is that you've, you've set your mind to do. And, and then you get to the point where you think, number one, I'm not any good at this. And number two, it's going to take me forever to get good at this. You know, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it anymore. A lot of times we get off to a great start in those things. You know, we, we, we psych ourselves up and we're going we're gonna to make it work and make it happen. And then somewhere in the middle where you, you have more time left, it seems, than, than time you've already spent, and you just think, wow, this is getting difficult. And I really believe that prayer is no different than those things and that mentality. We're at the end of our series on prayer today. We've been for eight weeks studying the Lord's Prayer primarily uh, and some surrounding scriptures, but... If you've been with us, I hope that you've been uh, inspired, instructed by the Lord on what prayer is to be all about. If you haven't been with us, of course, we make those uh, resources available on our website and so on. You're more than welcome to, to grab those. Maybe you've started to pray during the last eight weeks. You, you say, you know, I, I, I've been inspired by the Lord. I've been instructed on what prayer is all about, and I've begun to pray. Maybe you've begun to pray just on a more regular basis. Maybe you've prayed differently than you have before. Maybe your prayer has been more intense, I'm not sure. Maybe you've seen a greater effectiveness, maybe a greater fruitfulness from your prayer life. Maybe it's been more fulfilling for you. But as we end this series, I have to tell you, this is where it gets tough. This is where it gets difficult, because we're going to a new series next week. We're going to talk about something really totally different next week. And we, we will leave the series on prayer, and, and that's where it gets tough. Because if we aren't careful, when we are no longer publicly reminded of prayer each week, we, we, are, we face the tendency at least, we're prone to let it slide to the back burner. To sort of figure, well, we covered that. That was good. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed studying that for a few weeks. Let's move on to something else. And, and if we're not careful, uh, we, will, we will slide into that and ignore our need for constant prayer. And so before we move on to next week, there's one last bit of information that we really need to cover, some instruction from Jesus, 
that we'll get this morning. Now, each week we have turned first to Luke chapter 11. Now, some of you are going to celebrate the fact that next week, now I might just do it for spite, but next week we will not first go to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. But this has been our theme verse for this entire series. I want to start there again this morning as we wrap this thing up. Luke, writing here, records an instance where Jesus is approached by his disciples, and and so the he in this story is about Jesus. He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's really been our goal. As I said, I don't have some kind of insider information on what prayer is all about other than what I've learned from the Scripture. And so that's been my goal, is just simply to pass that along to you. And our goal has been to learn from the master of prayer. Each week, we've looked from from the Scripture at what did Jesus teach about prayer. What was His prayer life like? And this morning, actually, you'll be surprised. We're going to stay in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to ask you in just a minute. I like to try, you know, here come the curveballs. I'm going to ask you to turn back to Matthew 6, but you need to hold your place in Luke 11. And if not, you're going to have to find it all over again. All right? I'm, I'm trying to get you to relax this morning. We seem a little uptight. All right? Let's, let's relax. All right? It's okay. We can smile. We have a good time while we're here. All right? Might as well. We're going to be here for a little while. Okay? So, so I want you to stay. Hold your place in Luke 11. Um, and yet at the same time, I want you to find Matthew 6. So turn to the left just a little bit. Just a tad. Um. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives the instruction here in response to Lord teach us to pray. Luke records an instance where Jesus is teaching them the model prayer. And we see that in verses 1 through 4 in Luke chapter 11. He then goes on to a parable and some more instruction and then sort of a compare and contrast. And that's what we'll look at this morning. Look with me again. Hold your place. Matthew chapter 6. Keep it there. But look with me in Luke chapter 11. Okay, verse 5. After giving them instruction on this model prayer, he also said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who searches finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. For what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There are some interesting key words in this particular passage that provide for us this final instruction as we move from this series on prayer. The key words here... One is about this neighbor who comes at midnight. And guys, can we flip back? Let's, let's get it verse 8. 
a guy who goes back to his neighbor at midnight, and it says there, because of his what? Persistence. And then if you flip to the next verse, guys, verse 9, it says, so I say to you, keep asking. Keep searching. Keep knocking. You get the idea here that this is a continuous thing. This is not a series on prayer from the preacher, and then we all move on and figure we've got it covered. Everything's good. This is not where it ends. And so the overarching truth I want to leave you with, as we'll pick it apart this morning, is that prayer is a journey, not a destination. Prayer is a journey, not a destination. Now, before you think that's just a cliche, I really want to show you why really that's true from, from Scripture. These words, persistence, keep on, give us the idea that this is continuous. This is not some destination. We check off the list and we move forward. Prayer is a journey, not a destination. And this may be the hardest part of prayer. We can look at all the previous elements from the, from the previous seven sermons, and we can feel like we've accomplished something if we can check those off our list. I don't know how you are. Some of you are checklist makers. My wife is a list maker. I sort of, you know, I, I'm trying to work on that, but I'm more of a I feel my way through life. You know what I mean? I, you know, that's just an excuse, I guess, for me to be lazy and not make lists. But, but she's a list maker, and, man, she'll check those lists off. She's good at that. She's organized, and she's excellent. I'm learning. Twelve years of marriage, she's teaching me something anyway, you know. And so, um, but maybe you're like that. And, and you look at the last seven weeks, and you say, all right, I got this. Let's check that off the list. Let's move forward. Let's get on to something else. Now, if we were to do that, let me, let me run through with you real quick. Flip back to Matthew 6. I told you to hold your place. You cannot say I didn't warn you. Matthew 6. What we looked at in the very first sermon in this series was the priority of prayer. And we looked in different uh, instances where Jesus himself placed a high Priority on prayer. He got up early. He spent time with the Father. He got away. He got alone. Uh, in different times when, when things got hectic and pressure-packed for him, uh, they would go looking for Jesus and they would find him in prayer. And so for Jesus, prayer was a huge priority. And so the principle we had the very first week, I'm not going to quiz you, all right? Some of you might remember. The very first principle was pray early, pray often. That's what we looked at. You may have already now filed that away. You may be getting up early in the morning. Or maybe late at night is early for you. I don't know. But you're praying early, before things happen. And you may be praying often. And you say, let me check that off the list. I'm good. Got that one. So we moved on to the next week. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Some words here that Jesus talks about. Hypocrites. Idolaters talking about babbling on and mindless, meaningless, mechanical prayers that God doesn't want in any way. And so we looked at to avoid those kinds of problems in prayer that we are to pray with humility and with sincerity and with faith. And then we moved on to the posture of prayer, Matthew 6, 9, where it says, Our Father in heaven. And we saw that the approach that we can have to God as our Father is one of eagerness. We don't have to be scared in His presence because He is our Father. And yet, because He's our Father in heaven, we approach Him not only with eagerness, but also with awe, with reverence, understanding that, yes, He still is the sovereign creator of the universe. And then we saw the purpose of prayer. 
which for some maybe was a tough teaching. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Your name be honored as holy. Verse 10, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We saw that the, the, the purpose, the ultimate purpose in prayer is to yield to God's agenda instead of mine. Man, that's a tough one. But maybe you've conquered that ground a little bit. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm learning. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying early and praying often. And I'm, I'm doing the best that I can to pray with humility and sincerity and faith. And when I approach God, I'm eager to be in His presence. But I'm reverent at the same time. And, and I'm yielding to His agenda. Check those off the list. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our daily bread. And we realized that some of us probably treat God like Santa Claus. You know, God, I need this, and I need this, and Lord, I'd really like this, and, you know, and, and uh, if it's not too much trouble, can you throw in a little of this and that, whatever. And we realize that's not the right approach to God. But then on the flip side, some maybe struggled with, should I even ask God for anything? You know, if, if I'm just supposed to yield to God's agenda, do I even ask Him about anything? And we learned, obviously, that, that our requests and prayer are welcomed by the Lord, so long as they're guided by biblical principles. So maybe you've checked that one off. Maybe, maybe you're less of a Christmas list maker now with God as you pray, and you're, you're more of, okay, God, now I'm, now I'm not real sure if this is a need or not, but, but here's, here's my request, and I'm trying to guide, you know, let it be guided by biblical principles. Maybe you checked that one off the list as well. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a, an interesting time at the end of the service where we had uh, our, our, our registry of people who owed us something or had crossed our line, and we brought those forward, and we tore all those things up. And Jesus says, you know, if, uh, you know, Lord, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then if, we, if you forgive people their wrongdoing in verse 14, then the Lord will forgive you and vice versa. And so we tore all those things up and we threw them in the garbage can. And, and I've pieced them all together. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> well, that'd be something. Anyway, but we, we threw those things away realizing that because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. And that's included in our prayer lives. When we ask the Lord for forgiveness, the prerequisite is that we have forgiven others. And maybe in the last couple of weeks, that's when you say, you know what? I really feel like I'm doing better in that area. I, I tore that paper up, and at the moment, I may have not meant it. Or maybe I did, and that was such a freeing moment for me just to throw that paper in there and, and symbolically just declare that that person, those people are forgiven. Last week we looked at Matthew 6.13. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We realize that in every life there is hardship. In every hardship there is a test. In every test there is a temptation. And so we pray, Lord, keep us from those temptations. Keep us from those situations, Lord, that would lead us to a point where we might dishonor your name, where we might not do your will, where we might sin. And he says, but deliver us from the evil one. So we pray, Lord, keep me from temptation, but Lord, rescue me when I face it. It's easy for us to look at those and maybe go back to each sermon and say, yeah, good, good, I got that, I got it. Check that one off the list. But prayer is not like a, a checklist or a series of destinations that move from one to another. Or, or a series of classes that you take in school, and all of a sudden you get all those courses together, and they give you a piece of paper that says you're really smart. It's not like that at all. It's not some accomplishment that we, we sort of have these things, and they build on one another, and once you get to the end of this series, well, that's it. I'm good. Instead, prayer really is more like a journey of interconnected points that never ends. 
you keep taking the same classes over and over and over and over and over again, and you never really graduate from the school of prayer. And praise God that you don't. <laughs> because the moment you feel that you've graduated from the school of prayer, guess what you stop doing? Praying. <laughs> and the whole point is for us to continue. It's a journey in which we learn to pray, we learn to yield, we learn to listen, we learn to live in this journey of prayer. And not even an answered prayer is the destination, as we'll see. Therefore, if prayer is a journey, not a destination, what is the itinerary for our journey? The first thing, the first after the therefore. So what do we do now? Step on the gas. Step on the gas. Look in verses 5 through 8 of Matthew, or excuse me, Luke chapter 11. You can close the book on Matthew 6 if you like. <clears throat> Take the ribbon out, move it to Luke 11. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't give, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The, the point in this particular parable, though it can be a little confusing, you say, well, what is he talking about? The point is to highlight the urgency and the boldness of the person who comes at midnight and says, I have a need that must be met. There are two main characters in this particular story. One, obviously, is the neighbor in need of bread. The other one is the one who's, who's already in bed and ready to go to sleep if he's not already there. But what's behind all this is the idea and the obligation of hospitality in a first century or ancient even Jewish tradition. No matter what time a visitor came, it was the obligation of the person to whom they showed up and to the community to feed them and take care of them. Now, it's a, it's a different idea than what we know of. It could be a friend, it could be a stranger, but if someone showed up, they must take care of that person. I'll be honest with you, at midnight, I'm not answering the door. You can come to my house and you can beat on it all you want. If you really need something, I'll see you at 8 in the morning. You know, no, I'm just joking, no. Some of you, goodness, come on. Listen, we had, so far, since we've lived in the Parsonage for three years, we've had two people. One, one guy knocked on the door at 1130, and uh, one person knocked on the door, I think it was one in the morning. They both run out of gas right here. I'm like, why do they run out of gas right here? <laughs> they come over and they knock on my door, you know? Listen, the last time that it happened, I was sitting there, Duke, my, our baby was, was sick, and I was sitting on the chair in our living room with him, and you can see the chair from the window in the door. And so he was needing to be upright, so maybe if you're a parent, you've done that. And I was sleeping right there with him, and I hear this knock, and I'm like, what in the world? So I was asleep, and I kind of looked out of the corner of my eye, and I see somebody standing there kind of looking in, so I just pulled a blanket right up over my head. You know, me and Duke, we, didn't, we ain't going to get up. I wouldn't have been a good first century Jewish person at midnight. Do you understand what I mean? But there was an obligation for them. It, it would have been to their detriment. They would have been embarrassed by the community. The community would have been embarrassed to not be a good host to whomever. 
showed up, particularly a friend who was in need. And so that kind of colors for us the background. Why would this guy be so urgent? Why would he freak out at midnight over a guy who showed up? Just wait till the morning, bake some more bread, big deal. But, but it was such an urgent need that he said, you know what, it doesn't matter what my neighbor thinks of me at this point, I'm going to go and knock on his door. I've got a need that needs to be met. This man is presented here with an urgent situation, a situation for which he didn't have the resources, and he was in need. His neighbor's already in bed, but the need is so great that it didn't matter. I'll go wake him up. And he keeps knocking and asking to get his need met. I wonder for you and for me, what is urgent in your life? Even some of the things that maybe you haven't thought of in a while. Some of the things that Satan has kind of lulled you to sleep to think are really not that important. But if, if, if you were to really evaluate them this morning, you'd say, you know what, that's an urgent, urgent need. Maybe the salvation of your children. Maybe the, the friends that your children or your teenagers or your college students have or will have. An urgent need. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm, Proverbs says. Who, who they will marry. I forget about that a lot, to be honest with you. My kids, aren't, they're not going to be allowed to, to get married, so I just <laughs> forget that. But you know, the truth is, it needs to be an urgent prayer on my part. It may not be long before that's on their radar screen. Whether or not your family loves Jesus, really ought to be, must be, an urgent prayer. Knowing God's will for a particular decision in your life, whatever it may be, a transition, a, a door that needs to be opened, whatever, I wonder what's urgent for you that maybe you haven't thought of. What, what is urgent for us as a church? It's urgent for us to love God with all that we are. For us to worship Him with authenticity, not just go through the motion urgent for us to have a, a desperation for God's Holy Spirit to move in and through us so that we can reach the lost that are around us. Urgent. Whether we think those things are urgent, according to the Scripture, they're urgent. So what are you doing about those things? This neighbor at midnight has an urgent, urgent need. He goes to the person who he knows can meet that need and he bangs on the door. Boldness and persistence. And I wonder for some of us here, how urgent really are we acting toward those things in our lives? The point is not to see God as this neighbor who's annoyed that we're knocking on the door at midnight. That's not the point of the story. So if you're confused now, okay, now we're this guy knocking on the door, so God must be the guy who doesn't want to get out of bed, so what do I need to do to kind of wake him up? That's not the point of the story. We'll see the contrast in just a minute. But the point is, are we willing to be bold enough and have enough of a sense of urgency that we'll not just say, well, it's no big deal. We'll take care of that some other time. In the morning, we'll deal with that. The point is not that we have to bug God to death to wake him up and get him to do something. 
point is that on our journey in prayer, we need to step on the gas and be bold about those things that are urgent. We see God represented in verses 11 through 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The contrast here is God with us. God is not necessarily, though it's implied that He's contrasted with His neighbor who's annoyed. God's not annoyed that we bang on His door, so to speak. He welcomes it. Probably wonders why we don't do it more often. But He's contrasted with earthly fathers who love their children, but are imperfect and fallen creatures and And Jesus makes the point that if you know what to do for your kids, if you love them enough to give them what they need, imagine how much more your Heavenly Father, who is perfectly loving and holy and just in all cases, will do for you. God's not a grouch. We have to get out of bed. He's a loving Father who's eager to pour out His love and His blessing on His children. And so we go with boldness before Him. We step on the gas not to... Tell him what to do because he cares. Because he's opened his arms to us and we boldly take advantage of what he has given us. Our needs are urgent. God is a loving father. So don't be timid. Step on the gas in your prayer life. Not only that, but keep going. If prayer is a journey, not a destination, let's step on the gas. Let's let's go, and let's keep going. Verse 9, so I say to you, keep asking, keep searching, keep knocking. Those are imperatives. They're present tense imperatives. That means that they are now, and they are commanded, and they are continuous over and over and over. Keep going with those things. To ask of God, to inquire of Him. Lord, what about this? God, what should I, what should I do here? To, to petition Him, Lord, I, I'm sensing a need in my life for this. Lord, I bring this request to You. To take to Him what is urgent in your life. Whether or not you think anybody else would care about that, doesn't make any difference. If it's urgent in your life, you take it before the Lord. To search for God. A Jewish audience here would... Would, would equate this with the Old Testament idea that's, that's in several different passages. It's talking about searching for God. Not just searching for whatever might be out there, but, but seeking after God. Searching for His face, the Bible says. So we search for His hand. God, what are you doing? I can't really see you, but God, what, what are you doing? We search for His will. We search for His desires for us. We search in Him for meaning and for significance and for fulfillment and satisfaction. For our identity. We search in God for those things. And we knock. And we keep on knocking. You know there are doors in your life right now that probably seem to be closed. A person, a relationship, an opportunity, a a career path, whatever it may be. I have no idea what doors in your life may seem to be closed right now. Maybe you or on a path that you thought God wanted you to take, and all of a sudden, boom, closed door. Scripture says, Jesus instructs us, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking. The interesting thing about prayer 
that makes it different from a typical journey in a car is that in prayer, if you keep going, you'll never run out of gas. If you stop, that's when you run out of gas. It's kind of ironic, sort of interesting to think about. You only run out of gas in prayer if you stop. And just like on a journey, the kids always ask, are we there yet? Ten minutes into the trip, on a trip to Orlando in August. You know, I'm not, not bitter about that, but ten minutes, we were, I'm not even sure we were to Highway 80. Are there yet? <clears throat> we ask the same thing in prayer. Are, are we there yet? And the Lord graciously says, no, no, we're not there yet. Well, okay, God, uh, when will we be there? Well, you, you sort of are there. <laughs> Keep going. You're not there, and you are there all at the same time. It's a journey with the Lord. This journey beats any destination you'll ever experience. You travel the world. You go to every destination that's a hot spot in the world, and you'll never experience a better journey than the journey of prayer. So keep asking. Keep searching. Keep knocking. At the same time, celebrate the milestones. Celebrate the milestones. Verses 9 and 10. Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who searches, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. I wonder when the last time that we, that it was where, where we stopped and we just praised God for the answers to prayer. Isn't it easy just to pray something and you see an answer to that, and you just kind of move on to the next thing. And, and we, we sometimes forget to celebrate the milestones, not that we've accomplished. Oh, look how far I've gotten. That's not the point. But to celebrate what God has done, the things received from Him through asking, the things found in Him through searching, the doors opened by Him through knocking. We celebrate the milestones, what is received, what is found, what doors are open. And this celebration is not about us and patting ourselves on the back for our greatness, for our prayers, for our great faith. But it's about God and it's about His greatness and His answer to prayer. So keep going, celebrate the milestones and, and follow your guide. Follow your guide all the way to the heart of your Heavenly Father. Follow your guide. Look at verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now compared with Matthew 7, there's a parallel passage there, and, and Matthew writes, how much more will God give good things to those who ask Him? Luke sees, as is, is obviously right, an extension and the culmination of all those good things found in the greatest of all good, that is receiving the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people for a specific period of time, empowering them for a task. We know that in a post-Pentecost era, that the Holy Spirit comes to reside in each person who believes in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. 
And we have within us as believers in Jesus the Holy Spirit of God who is not an it but a who living inside of us empowering us, enabling us to live the Christian life, showing us, guiding us on the path that God wants for us, helping us with wisdom and understanding. He is our loving and, and gracious guide and our leader through life. When I was a student at Murray State, I was what was called a student ambassador. And that was just a fancy way of saying I volunteered a lot of hours and didn't get paid anything to try to help the university, and they liked that. And so one of the things that I had to do was give tours of campus. And I was really good at giving tours of campus. Now, some of you know I can talk quite a bit. And, and that was part of my job there, give a tour of campus, tell them all about this building and that building. So we'd walk from Sparks Hall there at the front of campus, We'd walk through the quad, and I'd tell them all about the business building and Wells Hall and faculty and Lovett Auditorium, and we'd swing around, and we'd talk about Pogue Library and all of the different buildings there, and we'd head on down, and we'd talk about the Fine Arts Building and you know, the Science Building and all that stuff, and we'd head over to the dorms, and, you know, and we'd, we, you know, we'd talk about all that stuff. And I, I always did the be very best I could to give them the information that I thought would help them love Murray State as much as I did. And I tried to be the best guide that I could. And I always pitied those people who got the people in our department that weren't very good tour guides. You know, they're back in like five minutes. I'm like, what'd you look at, you know? <laughs> Ever had a bad tour guide? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, they get you lost or they don't tell you anything and it's a waste of your money maybe you had a bad navigator. You know, some of you in here are bad navigators. You know, you're the one with the map, but don't know where you're going. And, or maybe you've had an incorrect map, and, uh, and, and it's frustrating. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our perfect guide through life. He is our perfect navigator who lives inside of us as believers. And we often fail to call on Him fail to ask Him to fill us up, and we therefore fail to receive the guidance and the encouragement that we need. This journey is following our guide to the heart of our Heavenly Father. That's why it's a journey, not a destination. Because the more we pray, the closer we move toward Him. And the closer we move toward Him, the more we understand our Heavenly Father, the more we learn about His love, His will, His thoughts, his responses to our prayers, the more we learn that he's not like that annoyed neighbor who doesn't want somebody beating on his door at midnight. He's not like that annoyed neighbor who's going to say, I, I can't get up to give you anything. Leave me alone. We learn through the Holy Spirit inside of us the heart of our Heavenly Father. We learn that he's better than any earthly father, that his love for us is inexhaustible and endless and we come to understand that in prayer there's always more to learn, always more to experience, always more to receive, always more to find, always more that can be opened. Always more to ask, always more to search, always more to knock for. We learn more about how to understand our prayers in this journey, those that have been answered and those that have been seemingly unanswered. And it's the Holy Spirit who guides us helping us to understand, showing us who He is, leading us deeper. And that's why prayer must be persistent. 
not to get what we want, but to journey deeper into the heart of the most loving, powerful, holy, and just being in existence, our Heavenly Father. I want to close this morning with just a, a simple little thing that I'd like you to participate in. It won't require you to get up or to say anything or to pray out loud. But, but I want to, to give you the opportunity, just right where you sit, to consider what we've been taught by the Lord, even just today. And so if you're so inclined, and, and you certainly don't have to, but if you're so inclined to, to get in some position of prayer, maybe through bowing your head and closing your eyes, or just preparing your heart to talk with the Lord for just a moment, won't you do that at this time? Danny's going to come and just play softly while we do this, but I want you to listen, and then I want you to respond. And as you think about it this morning, what is urgent in your life? What are those things that you would say, you know what, that's something that would get me up at midnight to bang on my neighbor's door about? Maybe something that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you this morning. What are your urgent needs? I can tell you this, based upon the Scripture, the most urgent need that all of us have is the need for forgiveness through the grace of God found only in Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection meet our deepest need for forgiveness. Maybe this morning your prayer of response needs to be one of repentance. The Bible uses that term to signify the turning from sin and turning to God. Repentance and faith. Committing your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe that needs to be your prayer of urgency this morning. Lord, I recognize that I'm not a child of God through faith. And I turn to you. Or maybe there's another urgent need in your life and you, in these moments, would simply take that to Him. Maybe one you've forgotten about. What is it maybe that you need to keep praying about that you're considering giving up on? And we hear from Jesus, keep asking, keep searching, keep knocking. What is it that you just need to pray about again this morning? Just one more time on that journey. What prayer has been answered that you just in this moment need to praise God for? To celebrate that milestone of, of asking you will receive. You've received something from the Lord. Search and you will find. You've found something in the Lord you were looking for. Knock and the door will be opened. There has been something God has done that only He can do in your life. And He's opened that door. Maybe this morning you'd take an opportunity just to praise Him for it. Finally, in what area do you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit? You say, Lord, I, I'm not sure what to do, where to go, how to do it. I need your guidance. Holy Spirit, fill me up. 
Give me wisdom. Prayer is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not a, a quick check-in with God every so often. It is something that is vital to our lives. And as the hectic pace and the pressure of life continue to mount, maybe for you, we, we need all the more to go with God on that journey of prayer, to keep going no matter what. Heavenly Father, we, as we leave this series on prayer, we pray, Lord, that we would persist in prayer. Certainly, Lord, not to coerce you into doing something, God, so that in asking we can receive who you are. And in searching we'll find you, and in knocking you'll open those doors to us. So remind us, Lord, as we leave this series, that prayer is a journey. One that is an incredible journey without a, an ending destination. That we journey through your heart. We thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name.